she is a turtle. If you present a target to her, she will go up to it, boop her little nose on it. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Hi there. Hello. How's it going? Welcome back to the only podcast with a parrot that mocks the host, the Rossafari Podcast. It's true, y'all. In this episode, you will get to meet an African gray parrot named Douglas who decides to mock my laugh mid-interview. Hey, come on. I know a lot of you listeners have made fun of that laugh at some point, too. It's okay. It's okay. I can handle it. Anyway, I guess you could call Douglas a silly saucy citizen. And I bet you can't say that three times fast. And I bet you I do if you listen all the way to the credits. So, Douglas is just one of the amazing creatures that you're going to meet today as I bring you my interview with Natalie Hildebrand, lead education specialist at the Lehigh Valley Zoo. The Lehigh Valley Zoo is in Pennsylvania and is actually only about an hour from where I live. It's a smaller zoo with a lot of really cool ambassador animals and a really unique and impressive collection. It's also one of those zoos that just makes me feel at home the second I walk through the gates. So, for those of you who have been listening for a while now, you'll know that I tend to have a bit of a formula when I do keeper interviews. Start off talking about the keeper, talk about favorite species, talk about some individual animals, and then talk about conservation. Well, that all went right out the window for this interview. <laughs> you see, Natalie and I sat down right smack dab in the center of the Z-Wing, the awesomely named area where most of the zoo ambassador collection lives. It wasn't a spaceship like an X-Wing or an A-Wing or a B-Wing for you Star Wars nerds out there, but uh, what it was was a really cool room with a lot of really awesome animals. Every time I turned my head, I was distracted by an adorable fennec fox, or some cool tarantulas, or an incredibly inquisitive box turtle and pancake tortoises. So, this interview tends to flow a little differently, as I ask a question or two, then get distracted by an adorable animal and learn about it. It was a lot of fun for me, and with animals with names like Cody, the western box turtle, Speedy, the eastern box turtle, and Sergeant Butterscotch and Flick, the ambassador tarantulas, you know you're going to enjoy it as well. So, do me a favor. Make sure you've clicked the subscribe button, make sure you're following at Safari on Instagram and Facebook, and then sit back and get ready to laugh and learn with Natalie Hildebrand of the Lehigh Valley Zoo. All right, so tell me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. My name is Natalie Hildebrand, and I am the lead education specialist here at the Lehigh Valley Zoo. Awesome, and what do you do as a education specialist? So we do a wide variety of things. Um, first things that we usually do is we'll come in, kind of check our emails, see if there's any new programs that need to be booked throughout the day, any encounters that come up. And then obviously we run a bunch of different programs, encounters um, with our animals and our ambassador collection. Um, and we kind of do those throughout the day. We do training sessions, socialization sessions. Um, and that's pretty much the majority of our day. Every day is obviously always different depending on, you know, what is kind of needed for that day. 
Cool. And um, so you you work with the ambassador animals. Uh, so is the room that we're in right now kind of your main area? Yes, this is. So our ambassador collection is um, in our Z-Wing area, which is called our Zoo Imagination Wing. And it consists of a wide variety of different reptiles, amphibians, invertebrates, mammals, birds. Um, and this is where we host our smaller programs and our encounters, um, where guests can actually see some of our other ambassador collection, which is actually behind the scenes. So they get to see our sloth, our fennec fox, um, and our raccoon. So there's a few things that they kind of get to see within this room. Yeah. Okay. So I just need to set this up for my listeners real quick, just so y'all know what's going on right now. <laughs> um, um, as Natalie said, we are we are in this room. Okay. So Natalie is sitting directly in front of me, and right over her shoulder is a fennec fox that is just distracting me by just sleeping and being adorable. <laughs> he is now, adorable. Really, like seriously. And then off to the left is a that's an African gray parrot, right? Yes, it yeah, is. Named Douglas. Yes. And we'll talk more about him, I'm sure. And then going all around in basically 360 degrees around me, except for the door are turtles so many turtles guys they have so many turtles here i'm so excited and skinks and snakes and just all the cool i'm i'm in, i'm i'm getting distracted regularly already and we just started um <laughs> this is this might be my favorite room i've ever done an interview in so oh, douglas uh, is listening intently yes he really is he is he's you're going to hear him i bet uh don't be surprised if you hear some squawking i promise it's not just me um cool so let's start off though uh by talking a little bit about you Okay. Um, so how did you get into this field? Oh, big question. Um, I will make it as short as possible. Oh, no, no, no. This people love this. Okay. I'm going to make this as long as possible. Tell me all the things and I may interrupt and get more details. Okay. So (laughs) I was born January. No, I'm just kidding. I won't go that far back. Um, so basically ever since I was little, always had a love for animals. Probably the most common response you hear all the time, but nonetheless, it's true. Um, always loved dolphins. That was actually my main driving force the entire time um, as I was growing up. And then I ended up working, um, volunteering at a marine mammal training center down in Brigantine, New Jersey. And I started to kind of shift my focus more on conservation um, with animals. So I kind of shifted more towards wanting to spread the message about them, do conservation work with them. And then once I graduated college, I actually got a job down in Florida working at the Miami Seaquarium where they have a excellent rehab program for sea turtles and manatees, as well as obviously they have resident animals that we did take care of as well. And I spent about eight years down there working um, diligently with that team and the rescue efforts with them. And then I moved back up to Pennsylvania and now I'm working at the Lehigh Valley Zoo. Very cool. So um, tell me a little bit about your time down in in Miami at the Seaquarium. So I worked there, like I said, for eight years. Um, So we did rehab work with sea turtles and manatees. So it was a 24-7 kind of job. Um, You would get called possibly in the middle of the night. You'd have to stay overnight if we did get any like rescue mammals in or any sea turtles in. Um, We did a lot of vet procedures with them. If it was checking for x-rays, blood draws, injections, you know, doing basically all those kinds of things. We were also part of the rescue itself. We would actually go out, try and rescue the animals, bring them in. Um, We didn't get to do that as much as we would have liked, but there was an amazing team called Florida Fish and Wildlife that was actually responsible for doing most of that. But there were opportunities we were actually able to go out on the boat and actually help with some of the rescue efforts. So that was really cool to see that side of things. Um, And like the biggest thing, like I mentioned, is 
the fact that you could bring these animals in, see them at their worst, and then release them back out at their best was such an amazing, rewarding accomplishment to see every single time you did it. So that was a huge thing that I absolutely loved with working down there. And now being back up here, I love the fact that, you know, all of our animals here at the zoo all have a different conservation message that is equally as important um, to kind of share with our public. And that's what we do here in education. You know, we provide those conservation messages, especially with our ambassador animals that are all looking over at me and all have each an individual beautiful message that, you know, people need to know about. So, you know, I love that I do get to spread that message with the public and they get to leave knowing more and more about that animal that they probably didn't get to know prior to them coming in this room. Very cool. That's, uh, yeah, I, I love, um, I, I always kind of, I, I love to talk to educators and I love to debate whether it's cooler for people to meet an animal that they know, mm-hmm. but they don't know, like yes. say a fox or something or a, a box turtle, or to meet an animal that they just did not know exists, like, um, you know, maybe for a kid, a sloth or or um, a skink or mm-hmm. something like that. So what's your take on that? What do you think in your time with uh, the, the, you know, especially with kids, but mm-hmm. really for everyone, um, what do you find has a bigger impact as far as like a conservation message and just making their day better? Honestly, I think what has like a bigger conservation message are the people that maybe meet an animal that they didn't expect to meet or that they don't really know too much information about. And then they get to learn the conservation message behind that animal. Because a lot of times, you know, when people get to meet our sloths, they do get a conservation message associated with their sloth too, for the most part that they do take home, they do understand. But, you know, the sloth also is a driving force. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to see a sloth. Everyone wants to meet a sloth. But when you bring out like a blue chun skink or a woma python or a different kind of species of animal that they might have never heard about before, ever seen, and then you talk about them, seeing their reaction towards those kinds of animals is actually probably more impactful because, again, it's an animal that they didn't know any information and now they get to leave with all the information. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Um, that's That's a great take. Uh, so I keep getting distracted. You can't, me too. You put me in a room with like box turtles are one of my favorite things. And they're just staring things, at you. they're just staring at me. Do you want but, a tarantula? There's a tarantula over oh, there too. I, I can always bring out a tarantula. So actually, um, I, one of my big things when I started this podcast was that I've been an arachnophobe for years. Really? Uh, hugely. And my goal was to hold a tarantula. Oh, and, um, in for my, my Halloween episode. I did it, and I fell in love. And now I'm literally not afraid of spiders anymore. Look at that. Um, her name was Rosie, See? and I do. And I would, if you brought out a tarantula, I'd let it walk all over me right now. Oh, and, man. And a year ago, I was terrified. Yes. Like, of little spiders. So, so was I. Yeah. So was I. That's and awesome. And then when you start working with them, you're like, oh, you guys aren't so bad at all. No, no. And, and actually, now that you said that, I'm like, oh, where? Where? I don't see it. But <laughs> Yep, right there. Oh, yep. Okay. There he is. Hi. That's Flick. Oh, tell me about Flick. About. Um, Flick is one of our tarantulas here. We actually have two. We have Flick and we have Sergeant Buttercup. Who is, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this is Sergeant Butterscotch. I always call her Buttercup because I think it's so much cuter. But she is Sergeant <laughs> Butterscotch. Um, but yeah, she's off on the side. She is actually one of the ones that probably scares more of our staff than Flick does. Flick's a lot more chill in nature and like mm-hmm. calm behavior. Um, Sergeant Butterscup is very, 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 very fast. <laughs> so you have to be like mindful. Gotcha. What you're... kind of tarantulas are they? So she is a red nose tarantula and we also have a Chilean, um, tarantula. Okay. Very cool. Um, they are 
Yeah, they're really cool. Mm-hmm. Flick looks kind of tiny. Sorry, red knee tarantula and a rose hair tarantula. Oh, I always okay. get them all mixed up. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's okay. They're cute. That's they what are matters. cute. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. So um, going back to Miami, mm-hmm. uh, tell me just what your favorite memory or, or favorite memories of your time down there was. Oh, man. I would say besides the obvious being a part of a like a rescue or, or um, a release, I would have to say just the bonds that I formed with the animals there. I mean, I still remember those bonds even being here. And, you know, I've been gone for three years. You know, I still think about those animals and, you know, just the relationships that you form, because I think a lot of people don't understand that when you go to work, you have a family outside of this, but then you also have a family here at the zoo. So when you're constantly working with them every single day, interacting with them every single day, if that's by training, if that's by socialization, if that's just simply just hanging out and saying hi, giving them a piece of food and then going about your day, you know, it's just those those bonds and those relationships that you form are for a lifetime. You'll never forget them and you'll never forget the impact that they put on your heart, you know. So I think besides obviously being part of, you know, rehab or being part of the rehab aspect of it, it's just those bonds that you form. You know, it's almost like you're missing a piece of your heart because they're your family too, you know, and now I'm forming new bonds with these animals too. And they're also having an impact on me. And yeah, it's just things that you just never forget. That's a really good answer. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) what made you come back to Pennsylvania? So I recently, not recently, but kind of recently, um, basically had two children. So that kind of forced me to kind of want to come home and be closer to family because I'm from Pennsylvania originally. Um, so I mean, other than that, I loved my job down in Florida. I would have loved to stay, but, you know, thinking of my kids and them being near family and being near the cousins and everything else, you know, you got to put your other family first too sometimes. So, so that's why we moved back. And I'm happy that I was given this opportunity to get back into the zoo field. Um, cause it's not easy. Even when you have experience, you know, for so many years, you know, it's, not the easiest to get back into. And sometimes the opportunities aren't there. And I was very, very fortunate and lucky that there was an opportunity that came up shortly after I moved back. And now I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah. What uh, What was your education? So I actually have marine biology as my background with a minor in psychology. So again, always wanted to do like the marine aspect of things. Um, and now I'm getting that experience with working with different species of animals, which is also super cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Do you think that the psychology aspect plays into being a good educator? Oh, yes. Um, Reading body language and understanding animals, you know, in that sort of like, you know, way is always a good way to kind of move forward when it comes to, you know, training, socializations, doing programs, understanding an animal, you know, especially around people and reading their body language. So psychology was always something that was, you know, important to me and always something that I found super fascinating from people, you know, relaying that to the animal side of things. So that's kind of why I took psychology as a minor because I just found it interesting, you know, and I felt like it did benefit me when it came to animals too. That makes sense. That's really cool. I'm curious, do you um, do you have to do a lot of research to keep up with the insane amount of species that you have here? Yes, that is such an important <laughs> question because I think people just think that I'm an encyclopedia of knowledge. And as much as, yes, I know a lot of different facts about these animals in this room and those animals out in the zoo, 
I don't know every single answer and I don't have every single fact in the back of my head about every single species of animal that lives on this planet. So I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, we know everything and we're all telling, but we're human. We don't, you know, we know most things and, you know, some facts we might know more about an animal than say another educator might know, you know, when we do programs, you know, Cody, for instance, one of our educators can talk about Cody for a solid 15, 20 minutes. And other educators might not talk about Cody as long, but it depends on what species of animals that you're passionate about and that you love and that you want to talk about. And, you know, Elena obviously loves Cody so much and she's a really cool um, turtle to be speaking about. But yeah, it's just everyone has different knowledges and different backgrounds and different I hate to use the word passion, but passion about certain animals, you know, that they love to talk about and that they know more information about versus another species of animal. No, totally. I think I think passion is the perfect word because you're going to love all of your animals, but um, yeah, you're just, you're going to be passionate about things. That's what, your passions are what inspire you to get into this. Yes, because exactly. Because it's not a field that pays well. It, it does, not. does not, no. And it's a field that can be very hard on your heart. Yes. And, um, you know, there are the amazing perks, but there's mm-hmm. also, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Oh, yes. And um, so I think you really have to, and you can't just be equally passionate about everything. We all no. have our favorites. We even do. though I do get in trouble for using the word favorite for like 12 so species. So and yeah, so no, I know, yeah. I know. We don't have favorites. <laughs> we just have ones we talk about more is what we like to say yes. or that we educate the public more on. <laughs> yes. So so um, since you brought up this little box turtle here, why don't, you, why don't you tell me a little bit about it? So this is Cody. Cody's our Western box turtle. Um, she is a very smart, very active turtle. Um, what's really cool about her is that um, she actually is a part of a training program right now. And a lot of our species of ambassadors are actually in current works to be on training programs or on the, you know, beginning stages of training programs. And what that basically means is that it means something different for every single species of animal in here. So because Cody is so alert, so active, usually is always by the edge of her, you know, enclosure, either wanting to say hi, wanting to come out. Um, We've kind of capitalized on that and kind of, you know, use that to our benefit. So she is a turtle that actually will, you know, she's target trained. So if you present a target to her, she will go up to it, boop her little nose on it, (laughs) and she gets rewarded. Um, And then also what she's learning to do too, or what she is technically trained on, is when the educator will actually go over and open up her enclosure, she'll present her cooler that she will go into for when we use her for programming, if we need to transport her somewhere, and she will voluntarily on her own go into the cooler. Nice. So those are things we want to capture because we use these guys for programming all the time. You know, we don't want to go into their space, remove them, and then use them. We want them to make that choice. So she has been an excellent, you know, choice and control animal that we use. Um, Basically allowing us, yes, I will love to come out and participate or, nope, I'm going to sleep today, so don't bother me. Bye. So, yeah, she is a great turtle to be using. She's also really cute. How old is she? She is 23 years old. Wow, nice. 23. Very cool. I know. She, she seems pretty uh, pretty tiny for that age. She is. So that's actually as big as they get. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I know Eastern box grown. turtles more, which get, get bigger. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. that Very is speedy. Cool. Speedy's like, like, hey, talk about me. Speedy has a a very orange hue. Yes. Yes. So tell me about Speedy. 
So Speedy actually uses that orange hue to kind of blend in with the fall foliage since they're from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So they kind of actually use that as like their camouflage. So that's kind of why they look a little bit more on like the orangish kind of brownish side so that they can kind of camouflage and blend in. Um, Speedy is another one that we actually use for... I know, we're talking about oh you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so Speedy is another Speedy, one that Speedy, we use. Turn, hold on real quick, just, just so everyone listening knows. Speedy, when, when she said his name, uh, is Speedy a boy or a girl? A boy. Boy, okay. When she a said boy. his name, immediately turned his head. And then when I said it, me. turned it even further. Yep, no, Speedy <laughs> is very aware of what is happening right now. So tell me more about Speedy. Sorry. So yeah, so no, Speedy's <laughs> also part of a training program here as well. So again, he's learning. He has learned how to, you know, target train and everything like that. He also is another one that is in the works of voluntary creating to come out for programming. Um, a lot of people love to see Speedy. Speedy's very personable as well. And they love that beautiful coloration. And to tell that he's a boy, you can see the color of his eyes. That obviously is, makes him a boy is the color of his eyes. So he kind of has like that like kind of yellowish, orangish kind of color where females will have a kind of more of a dull kind of coloration of their eyes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So from back in my youth, and I still have her, um, I have a box turtle. Ooh. And she is female. Yes, I know you can't do that anymore. I was very young. Like, this was before. Well, so here's what happened. I, it was a gift when I was a little kid. Yeah, box um, turtles. I don't know what it is. Everyone just loves to make them gifts for mm -hmm. people. And and fortunately, this box turtle landed in a good home. Yes. But by the course. time I found out that that was not okay, yes. she's not releasable. Like, yes. she depends. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So Speedy is the same right, situation. So, yep. I mean, when I say that I have, and I was just going to say, when I say that I have a, a, a pet, you know, Eastern box turtle, um it's it's not okay but yes. because of the circumstances it's it is what it is yep um and 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 you know matilda is very well taken care of and very loved it's time for interrupting 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 interrupting, interrupting john Hey, y'all. I just wanted to take a second here to reiterate the fact that as a conservation educator, I think it is incredibly important that we do not take animals, especially ones that are struggling with their population like box turtles, out of the wild to be pets. Matilda was given to my parents to give to me uh, the summer before I entered fifth grade. I had no idea. And my poor parents, I mean, they knew I liked turtles, but I'm not sure that they could have told you the difference between a slider, a box turtle, and a sea turtle. They just brought Matilda in, we got a terrarium, and they kind of left me to it. Um, so yeah, I just want to reiterate again that I do not think, and I do not encourage, and I actively dissuade anyone who may want to. Uh, taking animals out of the wild as pets is a really bad idea. Um, that said, Matilda happened to fall into a really good, really lucky home, and uh, I'm grateful that it worked out that way. Uh, and, and you know, the fact that she is unreleasable is the only reason that I, I still have her. Um, but she kind of depends on me and people to take care of her at all times and is basically a, a big goofy dork who uh, is basically a puppy with a shell. So uh, I don't think she would make it in the wild too well. Okay, back to the interview. Um, Matilda has... I love the name. Uh, <laughs> Matilda has uh, has laid eggs when, when first received, so I am 100% sure female. 100%. And has bright orange eyes. Bright orange eyes. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Very weird. But you know what? I mean... 
stranger things have happened. Oh, no, we're still yeah. learning. Even with some of ours, we're still learning, you know, because some of these guys do come from like other facilities. So some of the times they might have said like, oh, this one's a male and then we'll sex them and they're female or whatever. Um, so even some of our current, you know, collection here, some of them are coming back male or female when we were told the opposite and we're right, like oh right. but no speedy is 100 a male <laughs> he is a male awesome awesome so um when you started here yes t- what, what, what was your first impression like you came back and you know one of the interesting things one of the things that i always find amazing is that like if you move to a place and then search out a keeping job versus what a lot of people do, which is move. moving for the job. Move to, yes. Um, you don't get a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, what do you, what, what, what were your thoughts? What, you know, tell me, tell me about your thoughts about this, this zoo here. So, honestly, like, I've always visited the Lehigh Valley Zoo when I was growing up, even when I was little. Um, and it wasn't at the time the closest zoo. Actually, Philly Zoo was much closer for me. Um, being from, I was originally from Lansdale. Um, so we would go to Philly Zoo every so often, but I would come to Lehigh Valley Zoo more often. I like the smaller zoo aspect, to be honest. It's, I feel like a lot more intimate, I guess you can say, to like, you know, inform guests on the species of animals that you have here. Um, I love the location of it. I mean, we have a nature preserve right next door. So like literally you can come to the zoo, see the animals, meet an educator, kind of get an interpretive aspect of some of, you know, the enclosures, the exhibits, things like that. And then you can go right over to the nature preserve, hike, go on a like go in the creek if you want to go in the creek, bird watch, see our you know elk and bison if you would choose to. Um, so I did like coming here to a smaller zoo, and like even when I worked down in the aquarium in Florida, it was a smaller aquarium. You know, it wasn't you know it wasn't a sea world where it was big or anything like that. You know, and I just I liked more of that intimate you know smaller zoo and aquarium kind of feel. So. I was happy when they honestly had a position here because I I like it here. You know, like I love all the animals. I love the people. So I was excited to, you know, get into being here. That's awesome. And is it a small enough team where you kind of know everyone? Yes. Yes. And I'm all for smaller teams because I feel like, again, you can trust people more. You can kind of relate to people more. You know each other more. You guys are here for each other, here for the animals, you know, When you have a bigger team, sometimes communication can fall to the wayside, you know, and I'm not saying communication is always best in smaller teams either, but, you know, it is easier to kind of, you know, go about the day and be like, okay, I'm going to go do this and you're going to go do this and you're going to go do this. And that's it. That's all you have to report to. That's all you have to manage. That's pretty much, you know, your team. So I like the smaller, smaller teams. I just feel like if there's a problem or there's an issue, it can be addressed much quicker and in a much better kind of way too. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, very cool. I just can't stop. Looking I know at these he animals. keeps looking. I am. I am normally much more focused than this, but this room is just <laughs> killing me. It happens. It definitely. It definitely happens. Oh, it's so good. So, uh, what is your favorite? Um, not ambassador, but like on exhibit animal at this zoo. The penguins. Okay. I do love the penguins. <laughs> they have such personalities that even the mean ones, quote unquote, um, I have found to be one of my favorites. I'm actually working with one of them. His name is Curtis. Um, he's not a keeper favorite at all. You can ask any of the keepers. Um, but he's been such a good ambassador penguin to be working with. Like he, you know, he just like his personality 
of what he does like on the table. Like he's much, he's so alert. He's like looking around, checking things out. He's not trying to bite you. He's not trying to do anything, you know, aggressive or anything like that. And I don't know. I love, I love the fact that he's calm. Like he's a different penguin than what he is, you know, if he's over there either defending a nest or if another penguin gets too close, you know, the penguin drama, it happens. It's real. So, but yeah, so I would have to say probably the penguins would be my favorite, even though they are technically an ambassador, but they are an exhibit animal and, right, no, you totally, know, yeah. and I, I absolutely love them. And I worked with penguins too at my last job too. So they have a little piece of my heart as well. That's awesome. That's really fair. What, yeah. uh, what do you do with an ambassador penguin? So what we do is that we'll go over with our crate that's right over there. Um, again, it's also choice and control with them. So we have three solid ambassador penguins. Um, and then Curtis would be like our fourth, like still kind of getting the groove of it. He's good for virtuals. So usually for virtuals, we'll do on the table. So that's what he's good for for right now. Um, but yeah, we'll bring the crate over there. We'll open up the crate on the other side of the fence. We don't even go into their enclosure or into their space, as we like to say. We open up the crate. And whoever wants to hop in is who we're going to use, as long as they haven't been maxed out for the week or anything like that. Um, then we'll bring the penguin back in here. We'll set them up on the table. Our encounter is where it happens in this room as well. Um, it's usually up to about one to eight people as max that we have. Um, we'll do like a little short intro about the penguin, talking about facts, about this penguin in particular, personality traits, um, and then we'll bring the penguin onto the floor. They can meet the penguin a little bit more up close. They can provide enrichment for them so that they can kind of see them interact with different um, enrichment items that we'll give them. And then the last questions and, you know, kind of find out a little bit more about our penguins here and the conservation message associated with them. That sounds like so much fun. It is fun. That's really cool. <laughs> I've weirdly never met a penguin. I've met Are dozens and dozens of species now, including 28 red pandas. Oh, but... I'm jealous. I've never <laughs> met a panda. So This this uh, this podcast has been very good to me. But one of the ones that I just haven't met is a penguin, which is like a pretty common thing. I know. You know that is a yeah. pretty common thing. I know many friends who have, but it'll, eventually. It, it will but happen. I promise. That's, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> and while we're talking about animals, I just keep seeing the sleepy goober behind you. So yes, please, he's very sleepy. Please tell me all about your fennec fox so uh, i'm like facing him as if everybody can see me facing him like okay um did you guys i don't know if are you imitating oh, my laugh my right gosh, now right now so that is douglas being very rude and laughing i don't know if the microphone picked that up but um that's why we got distracted right there but anyway, Douglas, if I can continue, um, this is Audie. Audie is our eight-year-old fennec fox. Um, he is also one of our ambassador species, so we do use him for programming as well. Um, you might not be able to see this, but fennec foxes are pretty small in size. They are considered one of the smallest um, carnivores, um, and they have very, very large ears. Um, they use these large ears to dissipate any heat because they are from the desert, um, and obviously, they use it to hear prey underground or even just prey in the area. So they're very, very strong ears that they can be able to pick up sounds as well as obviously dissipate some of that heat. And that's kind of why he got his name Audie for the auditory system. Ha -ha. Oh, that's actually really smart. <laughs> I thought it was a cheesy like car joke and I was waiting no, to hear what it was. No, it's not a car joke. It's Good. just to, re again, relate that message on him and 
all the fun things. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yes. Um, so do you ever do uh, Fennec encounters? We do. And what do what what's that like? So what we'll do is we'll open up his enclosure. He'll come right out. We actually have like a stair system that he can like kind of like come up to the table if he wants to be on the table or run around if he wants to run around. Um, we do a training session with him, kind of explain training, show some of his training that he does do. And then we actually have like a pool, which I can't find. I don't, again, I don't know why I'm trying to show you. you guys can't see it, <laughs> but it is like a blue pool that like, you know, like a kiddie pool. And we put like shredded newspaper in, we'll put fun things in there and we'll sometimes hide his food to kind of show again, like those natural behaviors of him, like digging in the sand. That's not sand. Um, so yeah, we'll put that out enrichment items so that people can see him interacting with it and using his natural behaviors to try and find his diet. And again, talking about fennec foxes, their purpose, their conservation message. So yeah, a lot of people love doing the fennec fox encounters. He's very playful. I know he's sleeping this entire time. I promise you he is playful. He just has his moments of guys, it's rainy out. It's disgusting. I need to sleep. Well, to be fair, it was hard for me to get up and come here today because I could hear that rain. I, Same. I get it. Same. <laughs> so tell me, um, like, he has stuffed animals and stuff. Does he, like, play with them? And he's cuddling with one right now. He's dying. It's so <laughs> oh, my good. God, he is. So actually, yes, he does. He does get stuffed animals. Um, all the enrichment that we give to our animals is all regulated to make sure that everything is safe, that they're not going to destroy it. He does not. He does not rip it apart. He does not go after it. He honestly just uses it as, like, a buddy you know, they're very social animals. So like he will use them as like a buddy and we give him a lot of socialization time outside of his enclosure so that he does get like that interaction. So the stuffed animals kind of serve that purpose. Um, and then also the ball that's next to him. It, it has like kind of like, you know, like the typical dog ball that has like the, I don't know, tactile things on it. Um, that's his favorite ball. He loves to play fetch with that. He loves to. He plays to, fetch? He does. So we'll Ooh. throw it to him. I mean, he doesn't like play like good fetch where he'll <laughs> come all the way back. He might just stop with it and drop it. Um, <laughs> it's time for interrupting. 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 Interrupting John again. Y'all, seriously, after we recorded this podcast, we did this. I got to play fetch with Audie the Fennec Fox. It was, without a doubt, one of the cutest, coolest experiences in my life. He definitely sucks at playing fetch, and it was definitely amazing. I tell you that not to brag, okay, kind of to brag, but also to tell you that if you get the chance to do a Fennec Fox encounter and you don't take it, you are missing out. All right, back to the interview. And then other times he'll actually lay his head on the ball and use it as like a, like a neck scratcher. So it is his favorite toy. Oh, I love him so much. He does so not much. like it when you take it away. So he'll actually like run it right back to his enclosure and put it back in there. Be like, uh, no, you weren't supposed to take that out. And we're like, <laughs> like, bud, we're trying to interact with you. Come on. It's very cute. That is awesome. And I guess we should probably talk about Douglas since he was just mocking me. I think we should. So this is Douglas. Douglas is our South, our African gray parrot. Um, he was actually brought to us from an older couple. They had him for 15 years. Um, unfortunately, they did move to a nursing home where they were unable to take him. So he's been with us for the last 14, 15 years. So he is about 29, 30 years old. Um, and he's obviously someone that we'd like to talk about too, even if we're not having say an encounter with him or using him. 
Um, because a lot of people just think, oh my gosh, I love birds. They're so colorful. They're so smart. I want to have one. Um, and the biggest thing is, you know, you always have to have a backup plan for them. You know, they, they live up to 60, 80 years old and they always are going to need someone to care for them. They love attention. He is on a training plan too. So he gets lots of attention throughout the day. If you're not giving him attention, he will make you make sure you look over at him. (laughs) That's why I'm really surprised he has not made that loud pitch noise that he usually will make. That's his like, I'm annoyed. Talk to me. Look at me. Just do something with me. So, but yeah, that is, that is Douglas. He is a fan favorite here in education. We do take him into the office. He's like our little office assistant, if you'd like to say. <laughs> he does some of our computer work with us, helps us book programs, you know, all of the things. That's so great. And um, tell me about this sign that is right next to him. So that is all of his behaviors that he's currently working on. So a big thing, Douglas is a fan favorite, not just in education, but he's also a fan favorite among a lot of different people. So everyone will usually come in here, if it's from a different department, just to say hi to him um, and interact with him. So we do have this sign just letting them know, like, hey, just try and refuse from saying, you know, I love you or are you a kitty cat? You know, like all those kinds of things because you don't want to or confuse him during a training session. So those are just like all of his list of words that he's doing so a keeper or an educator will actually go up to him and say i love you and he'll make like a kiss noise and then they'll say are you a kitty cat and he'll meow like a cat um and then obviously whistle he'll whistle and then his dance he'll actually dance and then he also has raccoon and purr which sound very similar but still very different so so yeah those are just a list of some of the things that he does i'm very entertained by the fact that um you just read the entire list of words you're not supposed to say. I know. Well, I try to say it somewhat low. No, you did. You did. You ducked away. Yeah. Like, and this is what he does. <laughs> that was just really funny. I, I, I expected you to say it without reading the list, and then I you just started off, and I was like, to like, you know, explain some of his behaviors, but then also be like, Douglas, don't look at me. I'm not saying it. I promise. <laughs> I know. Bad, bad trainer on me. So funny. As he laughs. Oh, and. He- <laughs> And Douglas agrees that I just went downhill with this interview. <laughs> I really like Douglas a lot. Oh, he He's has great. a lot of personality. Oh, goodness. I love it, though. Um, so are there any other ambassador animals in here that you'd like to talk about? Or not in here? I know you have a famous sloth. Oh, my gosh, yes. Being the sloth, yes. Being the sloth is not in here. And Miko, our raccoon, is not in here. You have an ambassador raccoon? We do. Oh yes. A lot of people don't expect to hear that we have an ambassador raccoon because both of them are behind the scenes. So they're not normally animals that you would see if you were walking around the zoo. So we have our ambassador sloth, raccoon, and our bird of prey, two that are all behind the scene. Um, so yes, our sloth is obviously we call ourselves bean secretaries because all we ever get is encounters for bean and he (laughs) books up months and months in advance and people get very upset about that, but he can only be worked for three days a week. We have a maximum for all of our animals, so we cannot overdo it. You know, that's safety for them and making sure that their welfare is always kept in mind. Out of curiosity, how do you determine that? Honestly, a lot of it is just kind of based on their behavior and what's adequate and not adequate depending on, you know, natural history of that animal. So some of our guys are nocturnal. Some of ours sleep all day like the sloth does. So trying to keep all of those factors in mind and not push it. So you can read an animal's body language pretty well. Like some of our nocturnal animals, we don't like to use too much often in programs. And if we do, it's a short amount of time. So a lot of it's just kind of going through each individual animal, 
what their natural history says about them and what would make them, you know, maybe not as active during some times or active during other times or, you know, kind of debating on that to see how much is appropriate to use an animal for. So yeah, being is only three times a week. Makes sense. And to be clear, you could do three times a day with bean and sell out and make a ton of money if you just cared about making money and not the welfare of the animals. Exactly. Yep. And we do not. He gets one time a day and that's it. And yeah, so some people understand it. Some people are really good about it. And other people are just like, but I want to meet him. I will pay extra. I will do this. And I'm like, that's great. And super beneficial for the zoo. But it's not beneficial to him. And for that reason, we're not going to do it. So Love that so much. So tell me about Bean. So Bean, oh, man. So he is our nine-year-old Linnaeus two-toed sloth. Um, he is super cute, super personable as well. Um, he came to us when he was about a year old. Um, so we've been with him for quite some time, worked with him for quite some time. Um, we do do our programs in here with him. So what we actually do when we go to get him is he has a cooler system that he goes into. It keeps him insulated, keeps him nice and warm. He's from the rainforest. Things got to be hot. So we put him into this cooler area. Well, he'll actually go into it himself. We'll bring him down here in a van so he gets the full treatment. Wow. You know, we got to heat up the van if it's cold out. Everything. He gets the works. We put on his particular radio station that he might want to <laughs> listen to. And we drive him up here, bring him into Z-Wayne, um, and then this is where we hold our encounters with him. So we'll have him come out of the cooler. We'll usually hold him for a little bit just so people can kind of see him a little bit up close. And then we have like a tree slash like perching system that we'll put him on so that people can kind of see naturally how they would hang out in the wild. Because still that somehow fascinates people. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, and then um, tell me about Miko. Oh my gosh, Miko. Oh, she she's so so friendly. And to to the point where we have to remind people, raccoons do not make good pets because she is so friendly and so cute. But yes, Miko is also our ambassador raccoon, super friendly. Um we do actually have people that will get to the opportunity to meet her, so we do do raccoon encounters with her. I'm dead. I know. People are surprised every time they meet her. So they get to make enrichment for her. They get to help her feed out her food by means of like a martini glass. Like literally we'll put the food in a martini glass and she'll no. use her her hands to get the food out. It's very cute. People love it. And again, they get to kind of see how they naturally would like take food out in the wild. Um, but yeah, she she does so many trained behaviors. She does voluntary scale work. She's working on voluntary injection training right now. Um, we're working on harness training with her as well to be able to kind of, if needed, move her, you know, place to place and things like that. Um, very active, very smart, very inquisitive raccoon, as per usual of a natural kind of raccoon. So <laughs> Raccoons are so cool. They, they are. They make me so happy. They do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And then you said you have a raptor as well? Yes, we what do have bird of prey. Um, currently, they're in the works to be back on our um, programming side of things. We're working on, again, lots of like voluntary interaction with them. Um, all of our bird of prey, as well as our exhibit bird of prey, all came here for injuries or have been, you know, habituated to people early on or born under human care. So they all come here for different reasons. So working through some of those adversities is always challenging. Um, so we do have a few different species of bird of prey. We have our red-tailed hawk. We have an American kestrel, a barn owl, a barred owl, screech owl, and a great horned owl. Some of those guys are retired just due to age and due to injury and just, again, not wanting to push things to not have to push things. 
Um, and then we do have three that are currently going to be hopefully in the near future going on program. So, so yeah, they're really cool. They're really interesting guys. They, um, they test me every day when I work with them, you know, some days are better than others, but they are like that, you know, stoic bird of prey that you think of. They really are. I never know what they're thinking. I never know what to expect when I go in there. And I'm like, are we going to do what we did yesterday? Are we going to go forward? Are we going to go backwards? What's happening? So they're definitely my, um, one of my favorite here because they challenge me and I like to be challenged. Yeah, no, makes sense. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so where do, where do these guys that are not in the Z wing, um, but that are ambassadors, like where do they live? So they live down, we call it our Aned Bop area. Um, so you guys have the best names for places here. I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, sure. The Z wing, the Bop area. I know. Normally I, it's like, we're going to ambassadors too now. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, our Ed Ed slash Bop area is like, if you were to be in our parking lot, which I know nobody really knows where you are during this podcast, um, it would be more towards like if you were exiting the zoo, you're going to see like a building area and you're going to see a few mews and that's where the rest of our ambassador collection is residing. Gotcha. Cool. So yeah. they're just like off exhibit chilling. And yes. Then they're off exhibit newer. just because they are program animals. So it's the same thing with this room. We don't open this room up to the public every single day because these guys are our workers, you know, like they're constantly, they have a job, you know, so we don't need them to necessarily be on display all the time because they might be, you know, on an outreach or doing a program or, you know, being a part of something else. So that's kind of why we open this room up generally for about an hour every day. So people can see that it exists. Um, but then other than that, it's like, we're all back to work and doing our thing. Hello, Cody. <laughs> Um, that's really cool. Yeah, Cody came right up to the glass. Yeah, well, that's so. usually where um, she will kind of hang out for the mo- most time. So That's cool. Um, yeah, actually, but uh, it's funny you mentioned that about opening up the room. Um, when I first discovered that this zoo exists, and it's about an hour from my house, which I did not know and I was very excited about. Because um, uh, I live I live down by Philly. Um, okay. I live in Ardmore. So it's about oh, a yes. half hour because of traffic. I'm like 10 miles from the Philly Zoo, but it's still like a half hour to get there. Um, yep. mm-hmm. and then Elmwood Park Zoo is a half hour away yes. and, um, Brandywine Zoo is a half hour away. I live in this um, adventure oh, wow. aquarium. It's a half hour. All, all I didn't realize it was that close to you. The way that I am set up is so wow. nice. I hop on a different road for each one. I go, you know, yeah. 25 to 35 minutes. Yeah. But because of having those four right there, it was a long time before I ever like was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything semi-close. Yeah. And then I found out that you guys are an hour away. I know. Um, and I came one day. Yeah. Because y'all have uh, Audi all over your website. Yes, and we do. I ran through the I went through the whole zoo looking for the Fennec Fox I'm exhibit. Sorry. I was so excited. And I'm uh, sorry. and then I, I was told that, you know, Audi is in here and the the door was closed, but I was able to look through and catch a glimpse and good enough, you know, I respect <laughs> I think I'm I'm like like I said, I, I understand the importance of yes. their work. They need their time, yes. you know, alone. Um, but I was very, I was like, oh guys, oh, I'm so sad right now. So <laughs> Sorry. to have gone from that to sitting here and doing an interview in this room. Is and, like and he's special. like literally your vocal point mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So you can like watch him the whole time. Yep. Literally like when you said he we has not moved room. guys. He oh, really has. That's actually not true. Oh, he, he did move. He I just turned back. Yeah. Yes. He has moved guys. He, he, he went to sleep on a different stuffed animal. Yeah. <laughs> See, his head was on the orange teddy bear and now it's on the brown thing that I can't tell what it is back then. I think. I want to say bunny. I think it might, yeah. I don't know. Hard, go with that. I hard can't to tell say. from this angle. I can't. He doesn't want to show what no, it is. There's so. a fox head It's on his it. buddy. Yeah. 
But um, very cute. But yeah, no, but it, it was just this moment where you were like, okay, we're going to go into this room. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, we. it's kind of I funny win. because we will have people that come up. Like you, we'll usually be doing like a train session or program or whatnot. And we'll look over and we'll see people just like peering through the windows. Like what's in here? It's like a magical place that we just don't obviously have open all the time. But yes, this is where our ambassadors hang out and live and have fun. And we take them out for socialization a lot. So that's another reason why we also have... The doors closed, so I mean, all these guys got to get they got to get out. Especially oh, yeah. if there's no programming going on, all these guys have a strict exercise socialization schedule in order to you know make sure that they're getting the best welfare possible. So yeah, you'll just see like random snakes crawling around our little tree that we have over there, or you'll just see the turtles running around, going in different little caves or different enrichment that we might have out, or doing a training session. So yeah, so all these guys are pretty much always out and about. It's a very cool place, and yeah. I can tell that you guys really put a lot into it. Um, we try, try and make their yeah. I mean, you can just tell as best from possible. Well, yeah, and you can tell from the fact that like literally, like box turtles are like, oh, hey, Natalie, can we let, let's hang out? We're friends. Hey guys. Like, I just I love that so much. Yeah, you can tell when there's a connection like that. You know? Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Um, awesome. So, are there any other animals in here that you wanted to tell me about or anything like that before we move on? I mean, I have a special love for our pancake tortoises. Um, I actually am working with them currently right now, too. Um, again, another, you know, training program of mine. Um, but these guys are just super cool. I mean, their personalities, too, that I didn't expect to get from a tortoise. It just blows my mind. Like, Kabye, we call him King Kabye because he just acts like a cane. Um, <laughs> he's also our bulldozer over Mwamba, who is our other pancake tor- turtle tortoise in there. Um but yeah, I love to bring these guys out for virtual programs or programs in general because a lot of people love to see like the flat aspect of them and understand why they're actually called pancake tortoises. Um, so I always love to bring them out, kind of show people their unique shell and how they look and, you know, the reasons why they're flat and, you know, that they hide in rocks and crevices, which is actually what their names are derived from. Um so I always like to bring those guys out and kind of show people them. And I also like to do a training session with them because people just find turtles and tortoises fascinating that they target or that they do any kind of behaviors. I think people just assume that all they do is just what Cody's doing right now by staring at us and judging us right now. And that's not what turtles do. They do a lot more turtles and tortoises. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I think it, it's amazing to me. Something I think it's hard to not lose sight as, yes. as a conservation educator, mm-hmm. um, be it working at a zoo, doing a podcast, whatever, um, <laughs> is that people don't have a basic knowledge of animals that they think they do. Yes. And that's okay. And it's our job to, to fix that. Yes. But, um, I remember, you know, one of my favorite stories about that is, is, uh, I was on Tinder and I was talking, right. And I was talking to a girl (laughs) and we were talking about animals and, um, and I mentioned that turtles were my favorite or one of my favorites. And she was like, turtles are so cute. Except for when they come out of their shell and then they look weird. And I thought it was a joke and I was like, haha. And she's like, no, they do. And I was like, Welp, this is not a love match. Nope. But, Bye. But what I have taken from that and what I remember from that experience, other mm-hmm. than getting a great story, is that um, you know. This is a person who lives in an area with turtles and has seen turtles and knows about turtles and and turtles exist in her world. Mm -hmm. And yet she thought they came out of their shells. Mm -hmm. 
And that that's a good thing to remember. And like yep. little basic things, you know, which is one of the reasons I think it's so cool that along with a fennec fox and a sloth that you can meet a raccoon here. Yep. Because I've, I've seen raccoons five feet away from me in the wild, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think people just like, and those are the messaging that every program and every encounter that we have, we can tell you facts all about the animals, no problem. But that's also not always the most important thing. You know, it's the story behind them. You may be how they got here, how they got their name, what age they are, what they've been doing since they've been here. Like those kinds of stories are always going to be the most impactful to people and what they're actually going to take away. So when we always regroup at the end and kind of tell them that conservation message and reasons that, you know, Cody's ambassador for her species or Cobby's an ambassador for his species or, you know, Audie's an ambassador for his species, you know, like those are the important messages that we want people to take away. We're not just having animals for you to play with, quote unquote, or to interact with, or to get to meet up close, there's a bigger picture in mind and a bigger conservation in mind to, you know, remember to take away when you do leave. You know, a lot of people just think that with some of our animals, well, I live in Pennsylvania. How the heck can I help, you know, a fennec fox who's not native to here? Well, here's actually what you can do, this, this, and that. So yeah, especially with our raccoon, I think people are just always mind blown that we have encounters with our raccoon. And I'm mind blown that you have that. Yeah. And things like that. And, you know, a lot of times we do have to scale people back and be like, yes, Miko is the exception, but these are reasons why you shouldn't have a raccoon as a pet or that you shouldn't encounter a raccoon out in the wild. Or if you do encounter a raccoon, they're not going to charge you as everyone always thinks that they're going to do. <laughs> if you let them have their space to escape, you will be fine. You are like, nothing will happen. You know, just things like that, you know, that people just, don't know mm-hmm. or, you know, can take away from the program, at least learning. So that's our job. As long as we can make sure that people walk out that door or wherever our encounter is and learn something about that animal in an impactful way, not necessarily a fun fact, that made our job and makes our job every day. Love it. Uh, are there any conservation organizations that you'd like to give a shout out to? Ooh, too many. Um, so big ones, We, which is funny that you say that. So we are actually in the process of making a PAX conservation message for our entire zoo. Nice. So it's like the Lehigh Valley Zoo is making a PAX um, towards conservation of animals. And basically what we're doing is we're underneath this pact. Obviously, every letter stands for something. So it's purposeful, purposeful ownership of animals, so responsible owners. Um, AZA institutions, which include SSP programs and things like that. Um, C is for conservation of nature. T is together with nature slash coexisting with nature. Um, and then S is sustainable living or sustainable choices. So within that PACS that we're making, um, all of our animals here at the zoo fall under one of those criteria. So those are the biggest conservation messages that we're trying to push for with our zoo so that people can make that realization. Like when they see a skunk or they see a penguin or things like that, that they can make that conservation message with that particular animal and take something away from that or know that they can do something that could help that particular species or be more aware of that particular species. And there's Douglas with that really loud pitch noise that hurts your ears. (laughs) So yeah, those are definitely um, a lot of the conservation works that, you know, we're recently starting to, you know, have the messaging behind but Rainforest Alliance is always going to be one of our big ones. It's what we use for our sloth and all of our, you know, Douglas and all of our other, you know, rainforest animals here. Um, so that's definitely a big one. And bird-friendly places, you know, when it comes to chocolate and coffee and making sure that you're getting shade-grown coffee and things like that. So that's obviously another big one that we have. 
Um, and then like, obviously the exotic pet trade, you know, that's the re reasons why we have a lot of these different animals in here. Exotic pet trade is a big one that, you know, we preach to our public as to never take a wild animal, never take any animal from the wild, you know, so, and just to be, you know, do your research, like find out where, you know, if you're interested in an animal, find out where it came from. Cause it probably didn't come from a great situation, you know, and that nature should be left as nature. Absolutely. Yes. And now it is time. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Go! Um, so, honestly, when you mentioned this, the first thing that came to mind is all of the vet procedures that I've done with manatees. Um, those guys poop like pure diarrhea oh. when they go to the bathroom and it's a lot you know maybe you don't know a manatee can weigh anywhere from 500 pounds or less up to 3,000 pounds so they poop a lot <laughs> and they have a lot of poop and i just remember every time i would do a vet procedure there's no water so when they poop they go it's out there it is what it is um i just remember holding a flipper for for a blood draw for my vet her putting the needle in getting the blood and I just feel this whiff of poop smell. And then I guess like the manatee reacted because, you know, it was getting its blood taken. Nobody really likes it. And I just remember this whiff of poop just going right in my mouth. And I had to hold still. There's no moving. There's no breathing. There's no nothing. You hold still. And I just remember the entire time, like, just thinking, oh my gosh, there's poop in my mouth. There's poop in my mouth. There's poop in my mouth. And just like they get, I just, I need, I need water. I need something. I need to get this out. <laughs> so, yep. I've, I've honestly been pooped on by manatees a lot. I've gotten poop in my mouth by manatees a lot. Um, yeah. So those are the ones which I didn't expect that to actually come to my forebrain, but it, it did. You know, that's what I remember. There so, you go. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. You are welcome. I appreciate you coming out and learning about our animals here at the Leah Valley Zoo. And we're always glad to talk about them. I'll tell you what, y'all. If you get the chance to visit the Lehigh Valley Zoo, get yourself into that Z-Wing. Do some of these incredible animal encounters that they offer and uh, just enjoy yourselves. It is, uh, it is a really, really cool zoo. And um, I think their focus on education through uh, Ambassador Animals is just awesome. I love it. Not just because I got to hang out with a bunch of these animals uh, during the interview in the glass. And then afterwards, I got to meet a couple of them. Natalie was amazingly awesome. As I mentioned, I did get to play um, fetch with Audie, the fennec fox, and uh, got to hang out with uh, Sergeant Butterscotch, the tarantula, and also spent uh, maybe almost too much time with Cody, the western box turtle. I, I was in love, and we were just kind of hanging out as stuff happened all around us. It was... Uh, it was a pretty special day. Um, Natalie also gave me a tour of the zoo and introduced me to uh, the giraffes and some of the other cool animals there. And um, I, I just want to take a minute to say thank you to Natalie and, and everyone at the, uh, the Lehigh Valley Zoo. And uh, hopefully we get back there soon and do another interview because I just I had an absolute blast. Uh, if you'd like to learn about the Lehigh Valley Zoo, they keep it simple lvzoo.org and at lvzoo on Facebook and Instagram, which I really, really love. So uh, with that, I guess I only have one thing left to say. 
Silly Saucy Citizen, Silly Saucy Citizen, Silly Saucy Citizen. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.